all, welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday afternoon. Joining us from the Knicks practice facility. Now, wait a minute, Bontemps. Yesterday, you were in Charleston with the Sixers, Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah. You haven't been on. You haven't been on the plane. Correct. And you are now sitting in. What's the correct uh, city for the Knicks practice facility? I've been there, but I don't even know. I'm in, I'm in Greenberg, New York. The past four days, I've done NBA Today hits from Boston, Charleston, South Carolina, and Greenberg, New York. I'm really well. This is an NBA Coast. Today. We don't. We don't care. We don't. I know. Care. I'm just saying. I'm explaining my travel so, week, including I a lot of time. I was in a. I thought it was in Terrytown for some reason. That's nearby Terrytown. That's my, that's my birthplace. Yeah. So here's what happened before this podcast. We're getting set up and. McMahon says, wait a minute, joining us from Dallas, Texas, Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners. McMahon says, Terry Town, uh, also known as, what was it, also known as Sleepy Hollow? Sleepy Hollow. North Terry Town's where I was born. Sleepy also Hollow is Sleepy a town. Hollow. It's his own town. And I go, Sleepy Hollow. Ah, I thought it was one of the same. And I, I, and I, go, uh, I go, Ichabod Crane. And, he, and, and McMahon goes, <laughs> two legends to come out of there, Ichabod Crane. And me. <laughs> and this guy. And then I I was laughing and I was angry we didn't do it on the pod. And I argued that we should just pretend like we never said it and just do it on the pod. And Bontemps admonished me. And Bontemps <laughs> is in no mood right now because he drove from South Carolina to somewhere in, in um, uh, Maryland, slept for four hours, and then made it to Nick's practice. Now, now where did you stay in Maryland? Aberdeen, Maryland at the Calrick and Junior Baseball Complex. The courtyard. You slept in the dugout. Okay, I might as well have. I could no, see the, the, field the from important. My room. The important thing is, it was a courtyard, so he still got his Marriott points. And That's I promise correct. you, that was part of the decision making uh, process. In all, in all seriousness, I left. Well, we'll get to the Sixers who are in Charleston in a minute. But uh, best wishes to all the people mm-hmm. in Florida who got hit by this hurricane. Our our pal Bobby Marks was right in the middle of it yesterday. It sounds like fortunately his stuff is all right. But where he lives in Naples is completely underwater. A lot of people had stuff get destroyed so best delicious to everybody on that front yeah you f- you fled out of there um six or stayed though right uh so yeah they had a, they had practice uh they had practice today at the citadel um i talked to joel and bead yesterday for a while for a story in a couple weeks and got out of there before the rain but they uh they had nba tv cameras in there got a lot of stuff on film there's a you know clip circulating a doc talking to james harden today a lot of yeah, you know, it was a one-on-one stuff. conversation at the end of practice between Doc and James Harden. Doc was wearing the mic, and I'm sure he knew he was wearing the mic, but he uh, yes. they allowed us to hear it. I, and I thought it was uh, it was entertaining. It's the kind of stuff it'd be nice to have the NBA let people do more regularly. Be good. Um. So, Bon Temps, uh, being with the Sixers for a couple of days, what were your what did you learn? Well. The first thing I learned was I walked into practice Tuesday and Wednesday afternoon. And the first thing you saw was PJ Tucker and Joel Embiid hollering at each other in animated conversations. Um, and, you know, as McMahon knows from being around PJ for years, uh, any gym PJ's in, he's the loudest person in the gym by a country mile. There, and, there's a reason PJ's always hoarse. Yes, that's <laughs> correct. He and Doc both. Mm. Uh you know, and his impact has already been, I think, felt on the team. You know, you, you, we've talked about it before, but you go back to May, they lose in game six. Joel gets asked, I don't remember if it was me or somebody else, asked him about 
what is it? What is it? I think I asked him, what is the team lacking? He goes into a two minute speech about how he's never played with a guy like PJ Tucker. Well, they go sign PJ Tucker in free agency and you know, they, they're excited about their team. They, they like the athleticism and toughness they've added. Um, Doc really was praising DeAnthony Melton up and down, was saying they couldn't get into their offense because he was pressuring um, full court and wreaking a lot of havoc in practice. Um, And I think this Sixers team, like we've talked about, plenty of questions are going to come down the line in May and June. And Joel himself even said to me when I talked to him yesterday, I'm not worried about the conference finals. I'm not worried about the finals. I'm either going to win a championship or not. Nothing else matters. I think that's where you know, certainly where James Harden and all those guys are at at this point, I think. But this team, after being around them for a couple of days, they feel very good about themselves. And I, I think they're going to win just an absolute ton of regular season games. And they're going to be one of the top two seeds in the East. James Harden looks good. They're deep. They're versatile. Play a lot of different ways. And, you know, as we've also talked about, it's the first time in Joel's career where he doesn't have to worry about making up for something else on the roster. He, it's all built to optimize him in every way. So, you know, the vibes are good and they are healthy and I, I, I'm excited to see what they look like. Well, James good Harden looks only. lean. I can tell you that. He sure does. He looks really good. He looks really, really good. Good vibes only in, uh, in Charleston. Also, I will say, uh, I was talking to somebody um, who's uh, been around the Nets and hearing nothing Speaking but of good great- vibes. <laughs> that's the thing here. Nothing but great vibes. Um, I hear well, they look- if there's not good vibes, the first week of training camp, you might as well go home. Well, okay. See you later. Let's point out to the vibes that were in training camp in San Diego with the Nets last year. Kyrie was there, but it, it was not good vibes. Mm-hmm. So, right. And look at what happened with their season again. Cue the Suns. Uh, well, and, and, and we'll talk okay, about the Suns in a second. I'm glad that, uh, after the, the coup failed, the offseason coup failed. I'm glad that uh, the Sun or the Nets rather are getting along now. I also am just going to be a little bit skeptical that that will last. Fair. Well, I got to say, speaking of the Sixers, just real quick, it's been very amusing the past couple of days to see sort of the spin cycle on Ben Simmons come back around. We got on Tuesday, Ben Simmons shooting three pointers in practice, leading to all, all sorts of people talking about, well, maybe Ben Simmons will shoot threes now. Got Ben Simmons yesterday talking to the media about playing center. Like, oh, you know, I'll play center if they ask me to play center. Um, you know, we're just we're playing all the hits from my past in Philly. I was seeing this stuff and I was like, <laughs> I've I've seen these stories before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, first week of training camp, uh, the truth rate uh later on, it ain't high. Um, but that's where we're in right now. Um, and the Sixers feel good about themselves, and the Nets, for the moment, feel good about themselves. Again, hey, the Steve story Nash is when is a team a... doesn't feel good, like we're about to All talk right. about. But no, Steve All Nash right. well, is fresh off a championship, too. He won uh, Dirk Nowitzki's uh, charity tennis tournament on, on Sunday before heading to camp the next day. So <laughs> talk about some good vibes, baby. There you go. Uh, um, so I was in Phoenix last time we spoke on Monday. Um, about the last couple of days with the Timberwolves, Minneapolis. So Monday night, I was packing and getting ready to go to fly to Minneapolis on Tuesday morning. And I was, my instincts were telling me, <laughs> maybe I should stay here with the Suns. Because 
as I talked about on the pod, Monday was a, was not a bright, happy, sunshiny mm-hmm. day. I thought about it and I was like, you know, you know, the more I thought about the mood that the Suns had, um, you know, I was realizing that it wasn't a so, you know, it wasn't that they were. You know, down because the Sarver, you know, they, they were like sad to see Sarver go. They all said that it was the correct decision for him to sell, mm-hmm. but they were they were down because what they had built was under threat. You know, those guys have, a, you know, Chris Paul, maybe not as long, but, you know, James Jones and Monty Williams and DeAndre, and those guys have a lot of years into putting this together. It's almost Devin like McMahon said last week that it's it's pretty hard to, to come back from getting obliterated in game seven of a playoff series. I could be wrong about that. Yeah, well, but not one, just that. I think they're that. I think they're thinking about the team's about to get sold and everything could change. That's what I think they were thinking about. But this game seven thing. I think DeAndre Ayton's thinking, hey, I hope I'm somewhere else by the time the team gets sold because I don't want to be in Phoenix anymore. <laughs> so, um, I mean, that's just a rough interpretation. Wait a minute, Tim. Tim, I, I, if I'm mistaken, DeAndre got asked if he's happy to be there. And I believe the answer was, yeah. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm all right. That's what he said. Exactly. By the way, that, was, yeah, that interview right. was hilarious um, because. Dwayne Rask of the Arizona Republic posts like the full kind of clip. And they're talking about how he changed his diet. You know, what, what do you miss most? He's just, ah, oh, carne asada fries. And then it's like, Hey, you know, something about uh, talking to Monty. He's like, I am talking to Monty. Not since the game. What? Since, what game seven. How? I just don't understand how, how does that not from Aiden's perspective, Monty Williams is the reigning coach of the year in part because I think he has really done a phenomenal job of developing, managing, you know, the the relationship business with his players. He pretty much threw DeAndre Ayton under the bus at, right removed, after game seven. I'd remove pretty much. Okay. DeAndre Ayton was totally scapegoated after game seven. Uh, when the the reporter, the local reporters asked Monty about him the next day, he basically said, I'm not talking about that. Like, we're not talking about it. it they signed him to a max deal basically when they either had to sign him to that or lose him for nothing, but it wasn't an enjoyable process. And they still haven't talked the day that training camp opens. I don't understand how, like, what's the strategy the strategy oh my guys need a break no that's a guy you need to talk to that's a guy you need to mend fences with get back on the same page with to go months with all that stuff happening and the coach and the former number one overall first pick don't talk that's not uh that's not normal and it's not good yeah so look i mean monty williams is an experienced coach you know he knows his team. Um, you know, he was, you know, Aiden has been for the last few weeks working out with everybody in Phoenix. They were all there. Pretty much the only guy I know, uh, Dario Saric wasn't there because he was playing in Eurobasket and Jay Crowder was there because he didn't, he wasn't there all summer. Um, <laughs> he knew his time as the sun was ending. He, I believe, was in Atlanta the most of the summer. 
or you know that, that was what he posted on his Instagram that he was working out at Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like Aiden wasn't around and playing with these guys. Um, but I think you know the standard thing when you go through a restricted free agency war battle like they yeah. went through, and it does happen occasionally. When you match the offer sheet, the textbook is you love the guy up. Yeah. When he comes back, you give him big hugs and you go, hey, man, it was just business. We love you. You know, even if it's not true, you know, um, uh, and, you know, the, the truth is the Suns, I'm not, I mean, they valued Aiden. They just didn't value him as a max player. And, you know, or, so, or as a player who played more than 17 minutes in a game seven. Which well, look, it's not just the contract stuff. I'm telling you, that stuff is lingering, okay. especially in that relationship. That, that game seven was a, you know, whatever happened in that game, it, it wasn't just about that game. True. It was about, you know, a lot of stuff. So All the more reason to, you know, have a conversation right. over the span of several months. Right. So, um, and also uh, Aiton putting that out there like that hmm. um, is purposeful he's it's uh you know he's trying to he's trying to you know put a thorn in monty's side with no that. doubt so um you know the other thing that he said right at the tail end of that session and and i don't have the exact quote in front of me uh but he basically said like i'm not just a role player you know and i and i think you have a guy who over the last couple of years bought in for the most part to being a dirty work guy, you know, to, to being the screen setter, you know, defensive anchor, all that sort of stuff. And I think coming off of, of the situation that happened, you know, going back to the playoffs over the course of the summer, I think, you know, my, my interpretation there is him basically saying, Hey, uh, it might be time for me to get mine. And it ain't just about the money, but it's about the, you know, it's, it's about the touches. It's about the, the shots, all that kind of stuff. And, and that's another, you know, that's another situation. Just, you know, let's just monitor it. Let's just keep an eye on it. Well, yeah. So eight and second year, uh, which was shortened by suspension. Um, and also uh, the pandemic, but he averaged, he averaged 15 shots a game and 18 points. You know, the last two years he's averaged um, about 11 shots a game. And, um, you know, last year he averaged 17, but two years ago he averaged 14. So since Chris Paul's gotten there, he's, he's reduced his scoring and the, they've benefited from it. They've been good. It's worked. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, I don't know if he would consider himself a role player, but if he does whatever role he's playing there, they are, it's working. They're a good team in that role. So that's, Again, worth worth watching. Um, uh, it is. I will say this. Uh, by the way, I didn't stay. I should have stayed. Uh, I should have followed my instincts and stayed. Instead, I went to Minnesota. Uh, which that that about Phoenix heat. You're just not tough enough for it. God, it you, was. You, you'll be back. You'll be back in the winter. You'll be back in the winter. <laughs> Talking about the weather is is nobody wants to hear it. But it was it was like 105. Um, yeah. Oh, Wendy will be the, posting up there. Do they have a Christmas <laughs> game there? I bet you Wendy volunteered for that one. <laughs> I bet you I didn't. Um, so uh, but it is Monty Williams' job now to fix this mm-hmm. or 
at least if he can't fix it, bring the team together because there's issues there. Um, all right. So I went to Minnesota. I was hoping to talk to Carl Towns. Carl Towns um, is uh, has been out this week um, because he has a, a, an illness, non-COVID illness. Um, and I was uh, listening to Rudy Gobert talk and, you know, Rudy just got there with less than a week ago because um, the French national team was uh, Les Blues, right, uh, mm-hmm, McMahon? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, your guy Gobert looked tired, and uh, I'm not surprised. Yeah, they went he right just up got... to the silver medals again, yeah. just like the Olympics. And uh, he you know, was saying that he hasn't gotten to spend any time with Carl Towns at all uh, you know, because he was traded during the summer. And um, was playing over over there. And now Towns has missed the first few years of camp. And so um, uh, they haven't gotten to to run their stuff yet. But what I'm going to tell you about the Timberwolves is that they believe. They really, really believe that this is going to be a smash hit. This pairing. this they believe that uh rudy is going to you know that you it's very hard to have any kind of good defense when your center position isn't great defensively or good defensively which it, ha- it hasn't been carl towns is not good defensively yeah they, they um, it was impressive that they were 13th last year given the the limitations in the at center right so they think that you know that's going to shore it up um they love everything about towns obviously they just gave him a 220 million dollar extension but he's not the greatest pick and roll player. And so they think D'Angelo Russell playing with Gobert as a pick and roll partner is going to open stuff up for him. So they're excited about Rudy's effect on Russell as much as they are on, on towns. Um, They uh, their team dinner that they had uh, Monday night. um, Rudy spoke at the team dinner you know, sort of getting to know his teammates. And one of the things that they've apparently hammered away on um, in the first few days of camp is, and you'll relate to this McMahon is that they want Rudy. They want to make sure Rudy gets taken care of offensively. Oh yes. Um, Reward him for defending by taking care of him offensively. That's been a day one high bullet point uh, thing. And, you know, I don't know if, I mean, I obviously, recognized that Rudy Gobert was the starting center on a team that had the best record in the NBA one year ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, the Timberwolves paid a lot for him, obviously, but like, I'm going to write about this. I don't want to give all of it away, but like the, the, basically when they were thinking about this trade, forgetting about the cost of it, the more they looked at it, the more they became convinced it was going to work. Yeah. And, when you talk about taking care of him, you're talking about when he's open around the basket, lob it up there. You're not talking about running post-ups. You're not talking about, uh, you know, he's, he, it's not like he's getting jump shots. I thought it was interesting because I do have questions about D'Angelo Russell. I, you know, I don't know if D'Angelo Russell's a, a starting point guard on a team that's going to make a deep playoff run. I thought it was interesting, though, that Gobert was raving about him and Gobert said he plays a lot like Joe Ingles. And if you know Rudy, you know that is a, a, a massive compliment. Joe Ingles is probably his favorite teammate in Utah. And 
There I wonder were, if D'Angelo took it that way. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you, there were there were you know Joe was a lot of guys' favorite Pick teammates, but yeah. but yeah, he was specifically Rudy's favorite teammate because he was the guy who fed Rudy for lobs by far the most often. And so, you know, if, if Rudy and Russell get a little pick and roll uh, chemistry going, I, I I can see that again. My, my question is when Rudy and Cat are on the floor, how's all that working? Because I cat's too good to just be spotting up on the, on the weak side. Right. And so, and then Gobert, if he's not running pick and roll, uh, you know, if he's not screening and diving, I think you've got some spacing concerns, obviously. So I, I'm very curious to see how they figure out a way to um, maximize both of their strengths and minimize Rudy's weaknesses on the offensive end. Well, I think there's going to be stretches of the game, particularly against second units, where they can have Cat out there at center. His defensive mm-hmm. issues is, won't be a problem. exactly correct. They are going and to he, have one of them will be on the floor for 48 minutes is their plan. Right. Well, that'll certainly be part of it. And I also think, you know, you're playing him at the four um, in a lineup where you've got, you know, either say D'Angelo or the or the Ant-Man running a pick and roll with Rudy. You know, you could swing it to Cat and he's got enough ball skills that he can not only catch and shoot it, but put it on the floor and attack a close out and do that kind of stuff. So I, I don't to me. That's not going to be the problem. Like, I think he's going to get plenty of touches. I think he's going to eat, and I think he's going to be incredibly efficient. I, I, the thing that I'm, like everybody else, that I'm really just going to be curious about is, you know, when it gets right down to it, I think they're a better version of the Utah team from the past couple of years. So they have better defensive talent on the perimeter, and they've got a chance to be a really good offensive team too. But when they're going up against the Clippers, the Warriors, the Nuggets, the Mavericks, you know, the Grizzlies, these elite teams in the West, um, are they going to be able to guard the Suns? Are they going to be able to guard enough to beat those teams? I, I think that's going to be the question because they're. I think they're going to be able to score on anybody. It's at the other end that's going to determine just how good they can be. Yeah, and and Anthony Edwards' development uh, on the defensive end is going to be very important. And, you know, we've talked about Jaden McDaniels, his development overall, but especially offensively because defensively he's a <laughs> – He's a weapon. Um, you know, if he's shooting in the low 30s offensively from three-point range, then I, I do have spacing concerns. Well, I talked to Jaden, and Jaden was talking about how much better Anthony Edwards has gotten as a passer, that he focused this offseason on learning and working on some more passing techniques. And he said he's already thrown him a couple of lobs um, in just in, in scrimmages that he didn't know that Ant could throw. Like he, 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 he said he, he threw one lob to him and it was like, he, he couldn't believe how perfect the lob was. And he said, mm-hmm. he'd never seen, you know, Ant had never thrown a pass like that to him before. So, you know, look, as Bontem said earlier, it's the first week of training camp. Everybody looks great. Nobody's had a loss yet, but, um, they're going on one of the greatest preseason trips I've ever seen. Uh, the, the, the Wolves are leaving on Monday for an 11-day trip to Miami, Vegas, and L.A. Oh, wow. Not bad. How are they not able to, to land some studs in free agency with that on the, <laughs> on the schedule? Yeah. So, oh, yeah, because um, the rest of the year is Minnesota. 
<laughs> yeah, actually, this is a good time to be in Minnesota. It's like 74 degrees during the day. It's gorgeous. Uh, it's a little, it's a little uh, chilly in the morning, but um, yeah, by the time they get back, the leaves will, the leaves will all be down. Um, but uh, so they're going on this long road trip and it's um, like going to be like a Bonnie experience for them. I mean, they got a bunch of new players and because I talked to some of their guys, um, you know, they expressed that they were shocked when that trade went down that, you know, they, they had a euphoria about last season, you know, winning that play in uh, opportunity and getting to the Memphis series and, you know, battling with the Grizzlies and like they were assuming they were going to run it back. And, you know, the team had extended Beverly and Beverly was um, Patrick Beverly. They were such a, um, you know, he was beloved on that roster and like, I, you know, the, the players were kind of stunned. Um, but as I pointed out, you know, Rudy Gobert is pretty good, <laughs> you know, with all due respect to the guys they traded, you know, Rudy Gobert is pretty good. So, um, uh, lots of, sm- I'll tell you what, there was a lot more smiles I saw in Minnesota in two days than the day I spent in Phoenix. So, Ah, that sound has to make you smile. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Synchronize your online and in-person sales. Gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting, of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. So go to shopify.com slash hoop, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash hoop right now. Shopify.com slash hoop. Every college football season, Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence, the confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and the fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear, more driven. It's time for a Hoop Collective Trivia. Uh, all right, before we go on, I know it's early, but Von Temps has trivia. Uh-oh. When was the last time before the past five years that there were uh, five different teams to make the NBA Finals from a conference? You mean, you mean in a five-year span? Yeah. In other words, there's no repeat finals teams over a five-year span. When was the last so time So you're that saying, happened? so because has there been four in the last four Well, there's years? been five. Last five years. It's been a different team every year in the East. From the East? Yep. So it was Cleveland, Toronto. Cleveland, Toronto, Miami. Miami. Uh, Milwaukee, Milwaukee, Boston. 
Milwaukee and Boston. Uh, was it the 1970s? Nope. More recently 1950s. than that. 1950s. More recently than that. Oh, more. Uh, 2000s East? 2000s East, specific years. I mean, come on, bro. I... Well, okay, hold on. It's not the that hard. Celt- the Celt- it was be- they would have to end with the Celtics because the Celtics made it like a couple in a row. So the Celtics like were in pit- it. Celtics, Cavs, Pistons, uh, Bucks. Uh, I never get the, the trivia right. The Bucks ever. in two thousands. Yeah, but it was, I don't oh, know if yeah, it was man. in a row. Oh four to uh, eight. Heat. Heat was heat, 06. Uh, Pistons, Heat, Cavs, Celtics. The team after uh, the cat team after the Celtics. Magic. There you go. Boom. All right. But so the, has but there ever been a sign six, of how though? it's a sign of how well that's the thing. It's just to me, it's just, it's signals how wide open things have been post LeBron. And, you know, we've got the Sixers up there, the six the the Celtics and Bucks are up there. I mean, it's been it's pretty wide open atop both conferences in a way it really mm-hmm. just is it hasn't been very often. The only time it's really been like this to me is the the period McMahon reference was the seventies. Um, you know, the late seventies post merger, there was a ton of talent in the league and it was wide open. And I think we're in a similar um situation right now. Man, the Nets are up there with other high fives and hand holding. It's great. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Very fond memories for Wizards fans, Bullets fans of a certain age uh, back in those days. That's right. Um, All right. uh, McMahon, we'll talk about uh, the Mavericks before we go. Um, But the team we're taking a look at this week, what's going on in Greenberg? As in... Mm. New York. Why? 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 Why would they do that? Very strange trait. Why would you do that? As in next to Terrytown. As in next to next to Sleepy Hollow. That's As right. in Madison Square Garden. The New York Knickerbockers. As in not uh, Donovan Mitchell's team. <laughs> That's correct. Um, Bonsemps, you were just there today. You've only been there with him for a little bit, but uh, we'll start with you. Uh, was Jalen Brunson, you know, lighting up the floor out there when you were at practice well, today? Well, so it's a funny thing about the Knicks, who have, are once again at war with the media and don't and have decided they're never going to have a press conference again. Once uh, again, I would say have con- continued their decades-long war. We we were in the gym for about a hundred seconds. And then I got taken back out of the gym to go listen to Tip. So I didn't see anything that happened on the court. Uh, however, uh, having one conversation with Jalen Brunson and with Tom Thibodeau, frankly, who also did media today, uh, it's easy to see why the Knicks wanted to get Jalen Brunson on the team. Now, I understand um, there's obviously, as we've talked about at nauseum, a million family connections there. And I thought it was funny at some point today, somebody asked Jalen, were you surprised at all about anything that's gone on with playing for Tibbs? And before he could even finish the question, he started laughing and saying, no, 
not at all. I knew exactly what I was getting myself into. Um, but I mean, you know, this week, man, you spent the past few years around Jalen. Like he, he's a really rock solid guy. And for a team that has obviously had some ups and downs the past couple of years, certainly last year, you know, Julius Randall in particular has had a roller coaster relationship with the fans here and, and sort of with the city here over the last couple of years. I think it's going to benefit the Knicks a lot to have a guy with a really steady hand on the tiller in Jalen Brunson to run the run their offense, to be the leader of the team, to be a guy that's going to sit in press conferences with the media here and know what to say and how to say it, knows Tibbs inside and out, knows exactly what he's going to want. And, you know, we're probably going to, I think we're going to talk about the Bulls a little bit with what the what happened with Lonzo Ball this week. I don't think the Knicks are going to make the playoffs this year. I wouldn't say I'm going to pick them to do that. But I do think they're a group that could easily finish ninth or 10th or be in the play in mix because they've got a bunch of solid NBA players. And I do think people have underestimated the impact this guy's going to have on the team. I, I think he's a really good player. We've talked about the impact he's had. Uh, could potentially have leaving Dallas and then not replacing him. He's just a really good player that I think is going to help the Knicks a lot in ways that they really needed last year. Yeah, and I do think he'll be a good leader for that group. And, you know, he he's not an old guy, but he's kind of an old soul. And, you know, he's a guy who uh, won championships at Villanova, obviously has a, an NBA pedigree growing up with his dad being kind of the ultimate NBA journeyman. And he, he, to say he's even keel, I think, is an is an understatement. Um, it's funny you talk about him being a spokesman. The uh, the Knicks beat writers are going to get so tired of hearing Jalen Brunson talk because he is intentionally boring. Yep. And yeah, I mean, just like to to the point where it, it, it's laughable. But he's never going to say anything. But he, he knows what he, to say. But right, he's always going to be, be on message. He's right. never going to say anything that's inflammatory and i think probably the most important thing um as far as the, the knicks go with brunson and really a leadership position isn't really what he says to the media but it's that he speaks tibs and he can interpret tibs you know it, when, when when they might hear a really angry gravelly version of charlie brown's teacher <laughs> brunson's like hey listen here's what here's what he's saying he needs and can can relay the message in a way that doesn't sound uh, like nails on a chalkboard to guys. And I think that's important because I don't, you know, I, I I would say it's pretty well understood that Tibbs can wear guys out. And so to have kind of a fresh uh, intermediary, intermediary voice uh, can be beneficial. Now, they have a talent problem. You know, they're, they're, good enough to be a playing team, but probably not good enough to get out of that scenario. And that's not something that can be solved uh, probably before this trade deadline. Um, that's probably a multiple off seasons issue, but you know, people talk about Brunson's money. He's being paid to be an average to good NBA point guard. He's going to be that. No question. And on, on his deal with it descending, it's going to be a good deal with the cap going up. I, I think the contract's going to look more than fine. And the other thing I'll say is everybody thinks about Tibbs as a, obviously a defense first coach, which he obviously is, but he has had a ton of success over the years with small point guards mm -hmm. and how he operates in his offense. I think Jalen Brunson is going to do just fine 
uh, numbers wise in New York too. Like I, I really like the fit. I like the personality fit. Like you said, he's not going to be flashy or overstated, but the Knicks don't need that. They need somebody who is going to be able to, you know, man, man, the tiller and have this thing go as smoothly as possible. And he's going to be as connected to Tibbs as anybody. I, you know, I, it's man a really, really good Is that fit. a farm reference? Man I was just wondering the a, same it's thing. It's a boat reference. Oh, bro. well, I don't farm more boat. So what do you, what do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh but it's it he's just a very steadying presence and and look this is a franchise that for many reasons has not been stable for a long time and hasn't had a stable, stable presence that's at a farm point reference guard. yes <laughs> and hasn't had a stable presence at point guard for a long time and i i, I just think it's going to really help them a lot i think to um to have him there and you look at you know kevin pelton did his you know his fully fully foreign projections after his preliminary ones last week had the knicks in ninth like I don't think that's unrealistic if they if we, they if these guys stay healthy. We're gonna get into those West projections because I, I told you guys I think KP stands for uh for I'll say crack pot. Uh, I'll be I'll tone it down a little bit, crack pot when it comes to those West projections, but that's okay. Well if, pot, that's a kitchen reference. If, if McMahon <laughs> is in particular referring to the Clippers being seventh and the Warriors being eighth in those projections. And I, yes. all I'll say on, a little low. Little I'll low. say on Kevin's behalf is when you last year, I think he had the Warriors somewhere down in the same range. Uh, and, and obviously projection systems like this, like Kevin talked about last week on the pod, a lot of it comes down to age regression and injury factor in injuries and stuff like that. So if you have Kawhi Leonard missing a bunch of games, if you have all the older guys on the Warriors all regressing because they got a year older, it's going to skew the numbers. I don't. I don't think Kevin would necessarily say that. Uh, that's exactly how it's going to shake out this year. Well, he had the, he had the Suns as number one in the West, and I'm sure that will salve all their. <laughs> no doubt. Um, that'll that'll bring a smile across DeAndre Ayton's face. The first one since uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> since Game Six of the of the Western Conference yeah, semis. Uh, I hope he. I hope when uh, he signed that offer sheet, there was a smile. Uh, it's a, it is 130 million. Um, yeah, so the Knicks, the thing is, there's a tension that exists between the Knicks fans and tips. And that is, they don't want to see Evan Fournier. They want to see Quentin Grimes. They don't want to see Julius Randle as much. They want to see Obi Toppin. And, you know, they're like, look, okay, if you're not going to, you know, be all in, if you're going to save these draft picks, and, you know, build this team, you know, okay, well then build the team, develop the team. Yeah. Play, and play you know, the young guys who've shown potential. And Tibbs, you know, push back on that from day one. I push back maybe too strong of a word, but he was like, you know, I research this. I, I work on this more than anybody. Nobody works harder than me. Nobody watches more film than me. Nobody studies this more, more than me. I've looked at all of this. I'm going to put out the lineups that I think we're going to put out that are going to win. And he will push back on the fact that he doesn't think that he plays the young guys as much that, uh, well, but when, that, uh, when what? what, like when, what is your goal to win 43 instead of 39 games this year? Or is well, your goal to Tom have Thibodeau, Grimes and Toppin develop to where they can be core pieces? If you're Tom Thibodeau, you know what his goal is. I know. Well, so, and I, I'll also say this, like last year, Emmanuel quickly played 23, 24 minutes per game last year. Quentin Grimes, as a rookie, played 18 minutes a game. It's not like these guys were not playing. They were not playing. 
I mean, they were playing minutes. And again, like, what is Tom Thibodeau supposed to do? Bench Julius Randle? Not play him? Like, he's going to start. He's going right. to play. They had three centers on the roster. Like, I know everybody's been yelling about him playing Obi and Julius Randle together more. He got asked about it again today. Tibbs is always say? a guy. Well, he, of course, it was actually pretty funny. Earlier this week, I saw he was quoted saying, um, the numbers weren't very good. Well, somebody in the press conference today said, well, you know, he, the, the numbers were positive. Now to be clear, it was like 0.2 mm-hmm. points per hundred possessions. It was basically a neutral lineup, but somebody said the numbers are actually positive with those two guys on the court. Uh, why did you, why, you know, what numbers did you look at? So t- Tom in very typical fashion says, well, you know, I, uh, I watched the games and went into a whole thing about how he went through and charted every possession those guys played. And when they played against teams in meaningful games and meaningful minutes, that lineup was not good. Um, but look, Tibbs wants a defensive anchor on the court. He's always played that way. Obi and Julius Randall are not providing. A defensive oh, anchor on the court. Say, so, so Julius Randall, what? <laughs> right. So like, that's like he, that's not in his nature, but at the same time, like the Knicks have a roster full of NBA players. Like they've got 12 or 13 NBA players quality players they don't have the high-end talent to mcmahon's point before but they've got a bunch of solid rotation players and therefore you're going to have some choices about who you're going to play and like obi toppin is only going to be able to play 16 or 18 minutes a game that so why why do you draft why do you draft him with the eighth overall pick then well that is a again this goes back to a roster construction question Okay, and I so mean, why why is Julius Randle playing over twice as many minutes last year as Obi Toppin when, again, just glancing at the numbers, Toppin's analytics were significantly better. And, and so you not only drafted Toppin eighth when Tyrese Halliburton was on the board, but you turned down an offer from the Mavericks that was Jalen Brunson, 18 and 31, so they could move up to get Halliburton. You can say, well, they got you Brunson You know what, anyway. though, McMahon? They were doing backflips that night. I don't know if there was a trade that you could offer them when Toppin exactly. to them. So Toppin was that prized of a draft pick. Yep. 18 minutes a game in his second year ain't a whole lot. And so no, for sure. I don't I don't blame Knicks fans for wanting, especially when he showed I mean to be significant honest progress you, last year. But again, Knicks I, fans, I, I Knicks I'm fans saying wanted to you. Miles Knicks fans wanted Miles McBride to play more. Right. Well, they I mean, they, I, they want to see young. If they're going to be mediocre, they want to feel like they're mediocre with guys who the arrows pointing. And my with. and my point is, I think if you look at the way the Knicks are built, I think the young guys are playing as much as they realistically can play. Under Tibbs. I think that just under any coach, like I, you're not, you can't take all these veteran players who are solid, you know, starter or rotation quality NBA players, just not play them. It's not two K. You can't just like turn down the slider on Julius Randle's minutes to zero and just have him no. chill there well, and play no, over you, you can you can drop it from 35 per game though but I that's mean, the can, thing so they overachieved two years ago and slithered into were they in the were they the five they missed seed? the play in last year they were the four seed two no, years no, ago no, lost two, the so, Hawks. So two, right so two years ago they slither in and get the four seed yep and so when you're you, you're not starting last year you you're, last year you're, you're like okay here we go and you you know, you're, they went out and got Fournier because they were the four seed. They're like, let's add a piece. Mm-hmm. So they kind of got trapped by overachieving two seasons ago. And so now you have 
pieces like Fournier sitting there potentially blocking because part of this roster was constructed as coming off of a fourth seed. Well, yeah, they have Derek I, Rose, like they have hear... Evan Fournier, they have Ju- Julius Randall. They've got like, they've got even our guys, you know, they've got RJ Barrett. They've got, and I just signed Jalen Brunson. They've got like, they got all these guys who have to play. Well, yeah. I, I'd like to hear Leon Rose's thoughts on this issue. And I'm sure next time he does a, an in-house interview with MSG that they're going to ask him these kind of questions. Look, even if Leon Rose was doing press conferences, he wouldn't say anything. You know, I mean, Leon Rose has been an agent for a long time. I've talked to him intermittently over the years, and he never says anything anyway, at least to him, to a reporter. No, I mean, a, cer- that's certainly a true. Cup- that would be nice on to ask. The re- on the record, at least. Yeah, it'd be you nice know. to ask. But yeah, I just don't think it's I think the I think people attack Tibbs for a problem that I don't really I don't really see what else he could realistically be doing. Yes, you could say maybe Julius Randall should play 31 minutes instead of 34 minutes. But ultimately, I, I don't I don't think this is a coaching problem that these young guys aren't playing 35 minutes a game. Like, I, I think it's a they have a roster full of veteran players who you have to play. So unless you get rid of some of the veteran players, these guys aren't going to play as much. Now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. For the ones who get it done, Ranger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. Speaking of taking questions, Lonzo Ball took questions on Tuesday. Mm. Um, and it was a very depressing media session. I mean, I, I, uh, I mean, he he said he couldn't go upstairs without pain. He couldn't run without pain. Um, and that the surgery, which he had on Wednesday, was part exploratory. I mean, mm. based on what he said, and, that and, the doctors. Is that his third surgery on this knee since, since yeah. this issue first came up? That's a lot of concern there. Yeah. Um, and the injury that he initially had was a... Um, meniscus uh, what was at the time believed to be a minor meniscus injury so uh, a meniscus injury that you could return from in a short period um so the bulls billy donovan came out on uh wednesday uh, thursday i guess and said um that you know everything went well etc cetera, etc cetera. but i mean i i hope it did for his sake but i don't i I don't know. I'm, that, that doesn't matter to me because they said everything went well with his surgery in January. <laughs> right. It's like you the uh, the press releases about the successful surgery. Has there ever been a, a, a press release? Hey, this surgery was unsuccessful. Well, the surgery in, in January was unsuccessful. I, th- I don't have a medical degree, but I think I can say that. 
<laughs> the thing about it is, I went to college for eight years, and I agree. <laughs> yeah, you got your North Texas uh, Mean Green on there right now. That's right. There you go. Um, uh, Bontemps, I mean, we've talked about this a lot. The the Bulls are Lonzo is hugely important for them defensively, and I mean, I, at this point, I can't assume he's going to be back anytime soon at all. No, I mean, I was looking it up earlier. There were there were three players who played more than a thousand minutes last year for the Bulls and were had a, a positive net rating. Uh, Alex Caruso was plus five, Lonzo was plus three, and Demar was plus one. Everybody else was negative. Zach Levine, Vooch, everybody. You know those That's guys. The, 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 this, in case people don't know, net rating is the effect on the score over 100 possessions. Yeah, those those two guys, those two guys. When Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball were healthy and playing, the Bulls were one of the better teams in the East. Who spent most of the first half of the season on top of the conference. When those guys got hurt, they fell off a cliff and were terrible, and they got steamrolled in the first round of the playoffs. And you know, obviously, they get Patrick Williams back. Maybe he could take a leap, but. You know, this team was built around the defense on the perimeter that Lonzo and Alex Caruso could provide. And if Lonzo's just not there, like I would assume he had a nice year as a rookie, but he, I would say, is more of a combo guard than a point guard. Caruso's more of a combo guard than a point guard. The only true, like Kobe White's certainly more of a combo guard than a point guard. The only true point guard they've got on the roster is Goran Dragic, who looked done for the Nets last year and certainly is not a guy I'd want to be playing 30, 35 minutes a game. And Jason Kidd didn't like, want him playing 10 to 15 minutes a game or he'd be in Dallas. Right. So, and it sounds like, you know, from hearing Billy Donovan talk the other day and looking at Lonzo's injury, like I think Goron's going to play a lot of minutes. So, well, here's I, my question, and I don't have the answer. When did the Bulls know that this was, that this surgery was may, maybe going to be needed? Well, I don't know when they knew, but all I, all I do know is that Lonzo hasn't played since January. So it seems well, I'm problematic. Saying, though, but they didn't. They didn't take steps in the offseason to get. A, uh, a, a, I'm not saying you could replace them directly, but they didn't take steps in the offseason to get another starting level point guard. Yeah, I mean, may, I, I mean, I assume they're going to have the ball in Demar's hands a lot. I mean, we'll see. I, just, I, you know, I don't even really consider him a point guard. I consider him a three and D guy who can get you in transition, but. Still, he's a critical rotation player. He's a yeah, critical I mean, starter. It's, it's just, I mean, look, in K, in those projections, KP has the Bulls 12th. And uh, I think, I think you know it's who likes that? The, the Orlando, Orlando Magic. Magic. Yep. That's right. Top four protected pick owed them this year. And I, I would say it's more likely than not the Bulls are in the play in mix than not. But I mean, th- these teams from, you know, whether it's the Knicks, like we just talked about, or the Wizards, or the Hornets, or even you know, if the Pacers don't trade Miles Turner and these guys, they were going to be half decent for a while. Detroit with Boyan Bogdanovich could be better. Like these teams and these teams at the bottom of the East are going to be trying to win games. And if the Bulls don't get healthy and can't get Lonzo on the court, like I don't think it's guaranteed that they're going to walk into one of those two final playing spots. Let alone get into that top eight. Whereas you look at those eight teams above them in the East now, it's very hard for me to make an argument that they're going to be ahead of any of them barring catastrophic injuries for those teams. Yeah. Um, it just, it was a very depressing uh, press conference. Uh, before we go, McMahon, you've been with the Mavericks this week. Um, there was a little interesting Christian Wood stuff on media day. I think it was his birthday this week too. Uh, birthday was the first day of practice, I believe. And so media day, 
Uh, it's been pretty clearly telegraphed for a while. J-Kid never came out and said it, but they promised JaVale McGee the starting job. Um, and they weren't going to bench Reggie Bullock or Dorian Finney-Smith, obviously. Those guys played like 40 minutes a game for him in the playoffs. So it's been pretty clear that Christian Wood was going to be coming off the bench. And asked J-Kid, hey, just to clarify, this is, you know, what's the plan You for would. <laughs> You would be the guy to make sure that's taken care of on day one. I love it. I mean, it's like, what else? Hey, you know, uh, <laughs> so Luke is going to take it easy the first few days of practice. Like, I mean, there, there wasn't a whole lot going on. So, yes, like I, I want to hear J-Kid's kind of vision for Christian Wood. And, and obviously I knew he was coming off the bench, but I wanted to also see, like, is J-Kid going to – like really kind of pump him up and like sell the, oh, hey, you know, we really think he can thrive in a six-man role. You know, we, we think he's got six-man-of-the-year potential. No, he didn't. He didn't do that. He's just like, yeah, he's coming off the bench and, you know, we just want him to be Seawood, whatever. And then uh, Christian Wood comes in and he's asked about it and he goes, this is the first time I'm hearing about it. And then it was kind of like an uncomfortable laugh. And so, you know, <laughs> a bunch of fans are are feisty because they're like, he was clearly kidding. He was clearly kidding. Well, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident in telling you that Christian Wood was not clear on his role uh, going into this. And um, I can tell you, if he was kidding, um, one person didn't find the joke very funny would have been, Mr. Jason Kidd. Uh, <laughs> the next day, he's asked about it, like, hey, you know, what's going on with this? Like he said, he hadn't heard about it. Like, you know, what's up? I'm going to read Jason's quote. For Seawood, I haven't really talked to him about that. I know my assistants have. When you use the term, when you check in with six minutes, that means you didn't start. <laughs> so we'll get to talking about his role as we go forward. I've never coached him. So I want to first see what he's capable of doing with different lineups and different combinations here in preseason, and then we'll make a decision on where he's going to play, if he's coming off the bench or starting. But right now, he will not start. And I did, so, you know, Seawood did say the right things about, hey, you know, it's an opportunity to win. I'm excited about that. I haven't really had that opportunity in my career yet. Um, he said he wasn't really going to worry about whether he's starting or coming off the bench, you know, That'd be discussed in like maybe extension talks or free agency. So no, but he's not going to worry about it right now. I mean, only like whether he wants to be here long term or not. But hey, no big deal. <laughs> um, <laughs> so again, just a situation of Mondra. I I wonder, and this is where did this Pelton? Is me. Where did Pelton have the Mavericks? He actually had that. So he had the Clippers six. Fifth attempts. I checked. He had the Mavericks oh, seventh. Six. Got yeah, it. he had the Clippers six. Mavericks seventh. And look. We'll see. I just, I always say if Luca's healthy and uh, JQ was asked about Luca's condition, he said Luca's in Luca shape, which I thought was a good <laughs> way to put it. Like, listen, he's not going to go out and win a marathon, but he's not weighing 260 some odd like he did the last couple of years. Like, he's, they're actually trying to kind of make sure he's fresh after the, after Euro basket more so than worried about his condition. But if, if Luca's in shape, I think the Mavericks have a chance to be a top four seed in the West just based on, what we saw uh, last year. Um, but but the Wood thing, I, I wonder if this is J-Kid kind of testing. Okay, hey, you say you want to win. You say 
that's the priority. Let's let's see if you're really committed to that. And kind of, I wonder if this is a little psychological test. Well, Jake is not afraid to do that either. So, I mean, he he has no problem expressing his opinions to guys on stuff like that. So, I'll be it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Bon Temps, did you hear McMahon's new dog back there? McMahon went to Slovenia, and when he came back, he had a dog. (laughs) Listen, (laughs) if there if if there is a supply chain issue with paper towels, it's because this dog pisses all the time. Everything's bigger in Texas. Um, <laughs> all right. We'll be watching that map situation. Hey, thank you to uh, Bontemps, who I know is tired. He, I never, Bontemps never sleeps the whole year. He like routinely does, gets two hours of sleep, but he looks tired. So no, Bontemps is a maniac. He doesn't need sleep. He's a, he's a complete whack job. Bontemps will, and I'm, I appreciate it because I certainly have benefited from this when I was sleeping <laughs> in, but Bontemps will cover a game in one city catch the first flight out crack a you know butt crack a dawn so he can get to shoot around in another city and i believe i told him w- once when he kind of saved my butt because of, i overslept a little bit i said hey really appreciate your help but stop doing that you're making the rest of us look bad Bontemps it's not a hard, it's an easy bar to clear with you mcmahon it's an Bontemps, easy bar to clear Bontemps takes like 15 to 30 red eyes a year by choice he he's, like, he's, well, I, well, I don't want to waste could, an entire day. Uh, so I'm saying, so I'm saying that you look and you seem tired, which is, you must well, be. Really I, I, I have driven a lot, but like right. I said, thank you to bond temps. Thank you to McMahon. What's your dog's name, McMahon? Uh, Phoenix, actually. Phoenix. Yeah. And I'm, uh, I'm not very happy about it. Like, uh, so it kind of fits. <laughs> 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 thank you to Jackson and Bruce, our off. producers. We'll talk. Thanks for listening to Collective. We'll talk to you next week. Adios, amigos. Real quick, what's the easiest choice you can make? Window seat over middle? Taco Tuesday over salad? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash hoop, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash hoop now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash hoop.